0: Hello and welcome to episode 188 of the Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer Stewart. A warm welcome to Nusa MS and Spring B to the Modern Manager membership. There are so many resources and perks for members, but one that I want to mention is the additional podcast content. Members get a private feed right in their podcast app that includes a normal episode just like this, but without these membership announcements. And at the end of these normal episodes, they get to hear an additional five to 10 minutes of our interview or of my sharing during a solo episode. So if you are loving the show and want even more of it, go to themodernmanager.com slash join and become a member right now. Okay, today's guest is Matthew Matola. Matthew is a leader in ethically creating the remote freelance economy. He is CEO of VentureL, author of The Human Cloud, and a Forbes contributor. Matthew and I talk about working with freelancers, how the pandemic has changed things, how to overcome common challenges, and how to optimize the entire life cycle of working with a freelancer, from hiring to onboarding to collaborating and even more. Now here's the conversation.
1: You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rockstar boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer
0: It is such a pleasure to have you today, Matthew. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Mamie.
0: All right. So we're just going to jump right in because we're talking about working with freelancers today. And I know that this is something that A lot of small business owners, especially, but even bigger companies are now starting to hire more and more of because it's where the workforce is moving. So maybe let's start with kind of what have you learned about the direction of work and freelancing and how that maybe is being changed or impacted by the pandemic, if at all?
1: Oh, I love the pandemic question. Um, (laughs) It's made my life so much easier. So in general, work has been shifting from more in-office and full-time to more sort of digital, remote, but more elastic. And I think there's lots of terms we use. They can be freelance, gig economy, you name it. As a business owner and as a manager, what you care about is you need the right talent at the right time, focusing on the right problem. So when we look at how you're going to get that done, the historical answer has been hire someone full-time or go with a very expensive agency. And all the freelance economy says is that there's people all around the world that are ready to work with you in a remote fashion and we can use software to match you with those people. And that's literally it. And so the pandemic has blown the doors off of all of the things in the way in terms of what leaders would say they couldn't hire a freelancer for because we know remote work works. And so my, my life's gotten a lot easier, to be honest, because five years ago, I would have to show the you know unit KPIs and some case studies and we do a little POC and now leaders just intuitively know, okay, yeah, we can do this remote and it makes much more sense to go with this freelancer versus trying to find someone full-time, especially now with the labor shortage and great, great resignation.
0: So it makes sense that the remote work pieces of, you know, that were blocking the idea of having freelancers all over is gone because you're right. Now we all know we can work remotely. But are there other things that get in the way or other kind of common concerns about hiring freelancers that are are still on people's minds?
1: For sure. So hopefully this is the first aha moment for you leaders out there, and because this is going to be your number one challenge that I would hear so much five years ago. Now I still hear it. But the number one challenge, now that remote work is off the table, is the culture piece. And people always say, why would I hire a freelancer? They don't understand our culture, or they don't have the proper onboarding. My answer to that is if you structure it in the right way, that's actually an advantage because when you look at innovation, generally it comes from the outside, not the inside. And so that's the number one challenge that I'm sure you leaders out there are wondering. Little ones that I will discuss that you used to hammer me for about five years ago, but not anymore, was things like, are freelancers just looking for a job? Are freelancers not good enough as full-time employees or agencies? That is so not true. And I think everyone could sort of understands that, especially here in the U.S. But that immediate one that you were probably thinking of before the show is that, can a freelancer really understand our culture? And what about the onboarding? If we structure it correctly, that is actually an advantage.
0: So I want to talk about that onboarding piece in context of something larger cuz i agree 100% that like you can tap talent across the world which is so exciting and you can bring different perspectives and different work styles and all kinds of things together which as you're saying makes innovation more likely or at least is more fertile ground for innovation gets you you know talent or expertise that you would otherwise maybe not have access to depending on where you're located so there's all these great things but then there's all these complexities that come with having some people who are full-time and then some people who are freelancers. So it's both like the culture, the onboarding, but then also like, do you treat them the same? Do you make them part of the team? Do you kind of keep them out there separately because they're not really a team member? Do you give them feedback? Like, I'm just thinking like, I know I work with some freelancers and I'm like, I have so many questions about how to actually engage with them in a way that is both respectful and makes sense. So I know I just asked like a monster question, but uh, why don't you start wherever you want to start with that one?
1: I love the how to engage with freelancer question, because the answer is really how do you already engage with your employees or how do you want to engage with the top talent that you have? Now, there are legal and compliance guidelines that are in the way And so some little ones that I'll throw out so that we start by sort of deflating the mood is that there's some serious compliance risk when you're hiring contractors. And the reason for that is that classification means is someone full-time or are they contract? And if you're supposed to be hiring someone or they're doing the same work as someone full time, but you're not paying their benefits and you're not paying payroll tax, then the government's going to come after you and going to say, you should have been W-2ing this person, a.k.a. give us our tax money. So there are restrictions from a legal perspective when working with freelancers that you could say get in the way. To be honest, this depends on how much risk are you willing to take as a leader and how much liability are you willing to take on. So me personally, I treat my freelancers like family. Um, no if, ands, or buts. To me, they're family, they're trusted partners. They're smarter than me in 99.9% of the aspects, because think about them as business owners that are the best at the exact skill they do. And I treat them like that. So like that's the, the quick answer is that however you want to treat the top talent in your organization, treat your freelancers absolutely no different. The second thing though, like I said, to sort of dampen the mood is we've realized there are some compliance and some legal guidelines, and we can sort of discuss how to stay away from that. But the third thing I want to bring up that is a myth that we need to shatter ASAP, especially if you want to be a leader that is is really, really, really creating change, is that freelancers are not a show up once, do the work and leave. Freelancers, when the project ends, will still work with you for the rest of your life if you like to work with them and vice versa. So the freelancers that I have, they're lifetime friends. Like They're going to be at my wedding, to be honest. And I've started working with them when I was a scrappy little 22-year-old living in a living room in Silicon Valley. I've taken them with me to startups, to large companies. When I was a PM at Microsoft, I've taken them to my own company. So that's the sort of long-standing thing that I want you leaders to remember is that when working with freelancers, something that is uniquely different, you'll probably work with these people for the rest of your life. And so treat them and, and build relationships like that is so.
0: I mean, that's so different than how we engage with employees, right? Like very few of us expect to have the same colleagues for our whole life. But to know that you could have a relationship with a freelancer that stays with you for that long, that's really impressive.
1: And, and I will bring up the, there's a relevance point to it. So when working with freelancers, there's there's a couple of huge things that I, I it's funny, like intuitively when I was just doing it for the past 10 years, I just took it as normal but then when i went into corporate i couldn't believe that it wasn't wasn't normal and so one thing is when you work with the freelancer you start working right away so there's not that interview process where you ask a bunch of generic questions the person on the other end says a bunch of generic answers and they you know it's kind of a guessing game right with freelancers you start working immediately and so this is why the onboarding question kind of cracks me up because if structured correctly it's all about the outcomes so for me personally I'm more of a, a sort of let's let's do a bunch of cool work together type of person. And so interviewing just drives me crazy. So I don't, I don't know exactly, I'm not like a social scientist, but there's something socially where once you start working immediately, you sort of build that trust faster. And it's actually built longer and deeper relationships for me in that setting. And there's one other thing in terms of relevance. So the freelance economy, what's really, really impactful for you and your business is that you're getting a specialized expert. You're not getting a generalist. So it's not like going to an agency and you have no idea who's doing the work. You're getting someone who is hyper, hyper relevant beyond just the skill set. So instead of saying someone's just a designer, you can get a designer that specializes in fintech who went to a college that goes to the the customer base that you're looking for. Something that you know you wouldn't even think, but The relevancy is one of the most underrated aspects of working with freelancers.
0: All right. Let's talk about this process of from finding to kind of getting started and and replacing actually doing the work with onboarding to the ongoing management and then the departure, because at some point you may not need that particular skill set or that particular person. Let's talk through this life cycle. How do you find good freelancers to begin with?
1: Ooh, this is probably one of the hardest things. And, and you know, maybe because you were discussing, you you work with, with freelancers. Finding the right freelancer seems easy because there's over a hundred million globally and there's over 60 million in the US alone. And there's a bunch of platforms like Upwork that you can find one literally in seconds, but finding the right one is very, very challenging. The number one problem that I see leaders run into in hiring freelancers is that they don't prepare what's needed to find that right freelancer. And so what I mean by that is if you need a presentation done, don't just say, I need a presentation. You do have to scope out exactly what you're looking for with comparables so that the expectations are aligned and it's on both parties. So that's the first sort of red flag for you leaders to not do is don't just throw something over the fence. And expect the freelancer to magically know what's going on in your head. The second one, though, is being ruthless in terms of vetting that freelancer. And a good, good freelancer will make you learn when you meet with them or talk. And what I mean by that is, is literally just asking good questions. So let's say you put a you you need a, a leadership deck done right now. Actually, here's a really good one from yesterday. Let's say you have an opportunity in Dubai. You have a partner that reached that reached out to you. And you really think it's a good strategic alignment. You need to get a deck done though. A, do you have a designer on, on, on staff or someone or yourself that are gonna do the presentation design? Probably not. So now B, how do you go find this person? You Most leaders would freak out, go to their agency or try to have someone who's already busy work on it. It would be a subpar, subpar result. Instead, let's start by you exactly laying out what you need. So a, a six to 12 slide deck for a partner, and here's a comparable deck. And now either put the the post on a freelance platform or go through your network, but no matter what, make sure that before you sign saying this will be a $2,000 deck or a $5,000 deck, that both parties are aligned in terms of what exactly is going to be delivered and a comparable of what you can turn to to look at to say, yep, this is aligned with what I was expecting.
0: Can I just say that that is exactly the same thing that people should be doing when they're delegating to their own team members, right? Like we have this <laughs> yeah. myth that just because somebody works in your company or you've worked with them for a long time, that they will magically know what you are looking for when you delegate work to them. And yes, in some cases, that's true if they've done it before. But if you're delegating something new to a team member you need to be that clear and articulate about what success looks like, what you're looking for, having that comparable so that they can go and do the work well the first time through and not have it be this very frustrating process on both ends. So yes, right? Treat it makes sense to say treat your freelancers in a similar way as you would treat an employee and actually vice versa, right? Like be prepared whenever you're delegating to whomever you're delegating to.
1: I couldn't agree more. I think there's something interesting too that I, I just took for granted, but when I went into companies, I was like, oh my God, this is so broken. And I think it kind of comes down to the org chart. And the fact that if you are a director or VP and you have five to 15 people underneath you, you're kind of able to just do that in terms of just like shoveling something over the fence. And if the person doesn't do it right, well, they're not going to leave, right? Because they're underneath you. Whereas when you're working with freelancers, they're vetting you as much as you're vetting them. And I think that's one very, very important distinction for you leaders out there to know is that a good freelancer, they, they don't need you. In fact, they are the reason they freelance is for choice. They want to choose what they work on and who they work with. And so that is one very, very distinct difference is that if you are not a good leader, it's going to be rough for you in the freelance economy. The world is very small with freelancers. There's a bunch of Slack groups and, and increasingly Discord groups where they they know everyone. And I personally love it. Like, I think it's a really, really great change, but I, I do. I think there's something, to, there's some key difference about when there's an org chart versus everyone choosing to work together.
0: Yeah. That makes so much sense, right? That these are people who love what they do and are self-starters. They are, you know organizing their work around things that they're excited to do and people they want to work with and they can walk away. And so in some ways, right, you're getting amazing people. And at the same time, you have to retain them because they don't have any need to stick around if they decide that you're you're not who they want to work for, which is very, very different as you're saying. Okay. So let's go to this next phase, right? You've found the right person. You've delegated the work. You've signed on the dotted line. Do you just, you know, pass over the work now with that you've done the good preparation for, and that's the onboarding, is doing that first piece of work? Or is there any other kinds of steps that you want to take, especially after a first job, maybe now you're bringing them back to do more and more?
1: Everyone works differently. What works for you right might not work for me. Me personally, I'm very, very introverted, and I very much enjoy working asynchronously using things like Google Docs or even email. And I could work with you for my whole life and never even talk to you on the phone. So people are different. So I want to make sure I I label that out. One commonality though is starting small and building up small, but big wins. So you found your right person, you know what they're working on. Don't just immediately give them $5,000 and say, okay, we'll talk in a month or not really lay out what the next week or two weeks is going to look like. Start really small. So, back to this presentation example. Don't say, let's do all the 15 slides. Say, let's do slide two through four. And a good freelancer probably won't just take the work. And this is the difference between a good and a, a rough freelancer. A good freelancer won't say yes to everything, they'll make sure they set themselves up for success. So, in this example, don't just say, let's do a 15 slide deck, go through whatever it would be. That would be the, the, the initial. So I personally, I always pay half up front for most of the work that I do, but always, always start small. And now you brought up a point of, okay, you've already worked with this person. If you've already worked with this person, I'm just going to say, work the way you want to work. Freelancers are usually very, very flexible and don't think, don't try to get too rigid. I think that's one big difference with freelancers is that there's no, there's no politics in the background, right? You're not going to upset a leader above you by sending an email the wrong way or something like that. Just, just be human just work but but start small.
0: Yeah actually just having a freelancer do some data transfer for me and I had her do the first five of the like 75 pieces and said, hey I want to see like let's check in after those first five make sure it went okay. I haven't even met her. I sent her a video instruction showing her how to log into my system and like where to put all the new information. And it was great. And we had a lovely email exchange. We've never talked over Zoom. Like it was, it's working perfectly. And exactly to your point, like start small, don't have to obsess over it and let it evolve. And and having those check-ins gives you the opportunity to step in when something wasn't clear to begin with and when maybe there was some confusion or Something didn't work out the way that you anticipated.
1: Yeah. And you know what I love, me about working with freelancers too, is they're so smart and they're generally going to be smarter at you at what they're doing. And so don't even try to fake like you know what you're doing. I think that's where most projects go off the rails. Like Number one thing is if expectations aren't aligned. The second thing, though, is if a manager tries to be a micromanager and tries to tell the freelancer how to do the work. Now, this is also kind of a fundamental difference because if you're sitting in a company, you probably don't want to look like you have no idea what you're doing, yet the reality is none of us kind of kind of know. And so when working with freelancers, you can just be very, very honest. And as long as you're aligned on the vision and the problem statement, then generally they're going to help you get past the finish line. And that's something I found sort of by accident because I started working with freelancers when I was like 22 years old. I didn't know anything. And so when I was starting to hire freelancers for things like sales, marketing product, I in no way, shape or form could be like, hey, uh, I need you to build this website in this exact way. Instead, I was like, okay, I I need this done. How do I do this? So that's a huge key difference for you leaders out there to know is that the freelancers you're hiring, they're the experts. And don't feel like you have to know everything. In fact, it's better if you don't know everything. You just give them the trust to be able to deliver it how they think is best.
0: Okay. Last segment here now that we've got these good people, they're expert in what they're doing. We are giving them the space to do good work. We're giving them the guidance that they need so that we can get back what we need. Do you start to bring them into your team? Like I am imagining... That, and I have clients who have this kind of situation where they have a few full-time people and then they have some freelancers. And sometimes they're working together on projects, but sometimes not always. And they have weekly team meetings or they'll do you know team events or team other kinds of stuff. And there's always this question of like, well, this freelancer isn't my employee. So should I make them come to our weekly team meeting if it's only partially relevant to them? Do I have to pay them their same very high rate for their, you know, very fancy work that they're doing because some freelancers are paid very well because they are really good experts, but sitting in an hour-long team meeting isn't necessarily the same as, you know, coding a website or doing some incredible graphic video work or something like that. So how do you handle this, like, ongoing relationship between your freelancers and your, your team members and kind of building this cohesive unit or not?
1: It starts with structuring the projects in the right way. So the team meeting analogy I love, and what I will call out is when you said, do I make them go to a team meeting? If the question is, do I make them go to a team meeting? The answer is hell no, because why do we freelance? Because we don't want to have to go to the team meetings. So don't ever make a freelancer do anything, but actually legally you're not allowed to do that. Um, But don't make a freelancer do that. But with that said, freelancers want to feel part of the team. Now, does this mean that if you have a corporate offsite, a freelancer will be there? If it's a large company, probably not, because legally, that's actually very, very, it can put you in a lot of trouble. But with that said, the more you can bring freelancers into the fold, the better. I personally don't even differentiate with freelancers. I think of freelancers no different than elastic team members. And if you structure your your work environment in a project way, then there really shouldn't be a problem. Now I know where this gets sticky is exactly what you just brought up about you know things that are company wide and don't don't tie to a specific uh, specific team. In those situations, just talk with a freelancer. I think this is where freelancers are very realistic. Freelancers sort of know that they're not a full time employee. But to be honest, like I. I think of my freelancers as experts that I will take with me in my own expert journey. So I actually think of them above employees because employees, especially if you're working at a company that you don't own, you can't go hire those employees within a year of when you go to your next company. Whereas my freelancers, I take them with me every single place that I go. So that's my general advice when it comes to, you know, how do you go from one successful project to working with them forever? It totally depends on how you want the relationship to be, but the more that you can bring them into the fold, the better. I will make sure that I say, so one thing that I do that is very, very, it's been a huge competitive advantage for me and my business is that we allow freelancers to pitch us what they want to work on all the time. So let's say they're doing a presentation. We promote the crap out of them saying, hey, this presentation would make a great white paper or it'd make some good YouTube snippets. and so let freelancers actually dictate opportunities that your business might be missing out on because you just don't even have the bandwidth to think about that.
0: Oh, I love that idea, right? It's the same thing we ask of our employees is to like be proactive and to help us, you know, generate new ideas and you know, take some ownership over the work. So that makes perfect sense that you would have these set of experts who are, you know, have their own ideas and their their own capacity to take whatever it is that you're giving them and and turn it into something new.
1: Exactly. And you know what, one story I think that really highlights this in terms of employee versus freelancer, just the, in, the inherent advantage that a freelancer has in this department is as an employee, you're really not incentivized to go above and beyond your work. And what I mean by that is if you do a very stellar job, hopefully you get a promotion, but if you do a good job and you think you deserve to have a different position, it's a nightmare to work with HR, to go across the company or whatever it is that you, you want to do that's different. And I remember early on, like because I, I always freelance, but I'm sort of like this hybrid, right? Of like I freelance if I need to jump into a company, I jump into a company. But early on, I was at a, a startup, ironically, and it was above a hundred people. But I created this new offering and it hit over a million in pipeline and it needed a new role. So as I would jump in as a PM versus just being in sales. But the amount of HR struggle and sort of political bureaucracy that was required to, for me to become a new role, it was ridiculous. Whereas if I was a freelancer, we would just say, Hey, let's, uh, let's try this out and let's start with a $5,000 contract. Okay. Let's sign it tomorrow. So there's like this inherent advantage that freelancers do have where they're faster in every way, shape and form, especially if you have to deal with an HR department.
0: All right. Well, we are sadly at the end of our conversation. I know there's so much more to talk about on this topic, but can you, Matthew, tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic?
1: Hmm. Lee Ann She was my, my boss at Microsoft. She was the greatest or is the greatest manager I ever had. The reason really comes down to empathy. I think there's that, what's that cheesy quote? That's like, it doesn't matter. People don't remember what you say, but how you made them feel. It's, it's so cheesy, but it's so true. And Leanne, just everyone around her, she made better. And one of the huge things that I'll never forget was when I was going across the company to get things done, all I had to say was, oh, Leanne's my boss. And people would open up the doors because she had helped them prior. So Leanne, if you're listening, thank you. You know, I owe the world to you. And uh, for those leaders listening, Leanne was the most empathetic person I've ever met in my life.
0: Wow. I love that. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work?
1: Start with LinkedIn. You'll find me there, super easy. And then with the book, you can just search Human Club Book. You can get it wherever wherever is best. If you love Barnes & Noble, you can find the nearest one near you. If it's not there, give me a holler. It should be. And uh, no matter where you live in the world, you also should be able to get the book through Amazon.
0: Thank you so much, Matthew, for this conversation. It was super fascinating. I definitely learned some good things that I'm going to apply immediately with the freelancers that I work with.
1: Awesome. Thank you for having me.
0: These resources are available to members of the Modern Manager community. So to join, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And if you work for a nonprofit or government agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.